What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021, and this week's episode, Heavyweight Knockout Artists on Deck. We'll talk about Derek Lewis' epic victory at UFC Vegas 19 over Curtis Blades. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, Bilal Muhammad stepping up to take on Leon Edwards, and Otman Azaitar getting a second chance at the UFC. And finally, we'll close out this week's episode talking about this Saturday's fight, UFC Vegas 20, and the heavyweight knockout artists, Jarzinho Rosenstrike taking on Francis Cyril Gunn. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. What's going on, Mr. Mister Double G? You know <laughs> February what? is nearly over. How are you feeling? You know what? I saw that and I'm like, I can't believe it, Natalie Z. <laughs> I mean, it was just yesterday, you know, the Christmas tree was still up. I was still enjoying eggnog and, you know, now we are and it's like about to warm up again. It's wild. But, it was um, 80 degrees yesterday <laughs> in L.A. I mean... Crazy yeah, for people who don't live in an area like it, Southern California, like it'll legit be nice and chilly, and you get a you know nice jacket and you go through your day. And then, you know, like today, people are out there with their shirts and t shorts and t shirts. And I was like, dude, no lie, that's appropriate weather right this minute. So, <laughs> but yeah, oh, before you know, oh, the pipes were freezing overnight and all that, and it's like. That's Southern California for you. Yeah. Uh, but hey, you know what? Uh, in all honesty, like, well wishes, because I know places like Texas and all that, you know, like I've seen the videos, you know, like with the boiling water and all that. Oh, so Yeah, we're not complaining. And those folks have it rough, man. And I'll not, say this. Not good. Uh, I think, though, uh, I, I want to put it into context. I feel like last year this kind of stuff was happening back to back to back. So I feel like, if anything, 2021, you know what? This is a pretty wide space between our disasters. So I wish everyone well, but I'd like to hope that this is a sign that positive things are happening. Do you yeah. get what I mean? Spreading them out is uh, <laughs> helpful to everyone. No, but um, look, it sounds like they're getting it together. You got Derek Lewis bringing his, uh, <clears throat> his heat back home, <laughs> as he said. Uh, you know what? So let's get right into that. Um, obviously on Saturday, another fight night back at the Apex, like we have been, you know, since uh, 1998 by now, it feels like. <laughs> uh, but Curtis Blades coming in as one of the biggest favorites in a while. Derek Lewis, l let's be honest, Curtis Blades, the script was there. He's just as big. He's probably a little bit faster. And he's coming out there. He's going to make this a long fight, take Derek down, drag him into deep water. That was going to be a wrap. First round, Natalie. No take, no completed takedowns for Curtis Blades. It's pretty even, but for the most part, you know, it, they're just kind of feeling each other out and trying to get their rhythm going. And in that second round, like zig instead of zag, Curtis Blades doesn't get Lewis' hands up goes for the takedown, and straight uppercuts Curtis Blades into the shadow realm, separates him from his senses, 
literally, you know, the real-time slow-mo, he falls like a tree. Uh, Lewis with the follow-ups, we could discuss that, but wow. Just, uh, I'll just say it, that might be one of the best Derek Lewis knockouts of his career. Better than the Volkov one, I think just in context and just even when you watch it in real time, not slow it down, it's just brutal. Just wow. Did not see it coming in that fashion. Really felt like if he was going to do it, it was going to be forcing Curtis to throw some hands with him. Never expected to just have that perfect timing, perfect landing on another big guy like Curtis Blades. Just well done. Uh, you know what, Corey Sanhagen? It's a good thing you got some serious air on that flying knee because Curtis <laughs> Blades... Uh, I'll tell you what. I would have said knockout of the year already if we hadn't seen the Corey Sanhagen fight. That yeah, was man. It was that good. I was thinking the same thing. And that, that uppercut was sneaky. Like, at first, it, it wasn't entirely clear what did it. And it was a, you know, it was a short uppercut. Like, he just put all his juice into a little short uppercut punch as Curtis Blaze was coming in, you know, kind of a little bit desperate for a takedown because he didn't have any success in the first round, as you said. And, uh, I mean, he was out on his feet, slumped over, hit the canvas, and Derek Lewis was like, I'm not sure if he's out. I think he could be alive still and uh, gave him a few uh, <laughs> a few wallops on the chin to send the uh, send the message home. That was a little bit tough <laughs> to watch. But, uh, you know, I, I said, Herb Dean, it, maybe it's on him, right? Maybe he's a little bit too slow because if he had gotten there faster, Derek Lewis wouldn't have been able to land those extra punches. Those were uh, those are tough. But, you know. Derek Lewis did a good job. He he prevented the takedowns, and then I think all he was waiting for is sort of what he what he alluded to was waiting for that opportunity to throw in that uppercut because when you have a, a someone that prefers wrestling that wants to take you down, right? You, you have those options with with the knees and with the uppercuts to get him coming in, and Derek Lewis played it beautifully. You know, put a stop to Curtis Blades. Uh, championship run effort to you know to get to the championship and get that championship shot so man it was impressive and like you gotta believe he had texas on the mind houston on the mind and uh, i hope that if folks were able to watch that fight in texas that 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 it gave them a little bit of a, of a, of a morale boost even if just for you know 30 minutes because that was pretty awesome you know, um, I think uh, one thing um, that I, I didn't realize is just Lewis was that good, you know, a little bit shorter than Curtis. I think that that really helped him out in terms of keeping, you know, his hips lower. Um, I was listening to Daniel Cormier break it down last week or sorry, this week. And, you know, he brought it up that you really got to make Derek raises guard you really got to make him raise the hands because that's going to make the takedowns so much easier when you're dealing with a guy with the power and the size of Lewis and he, he did uh, give him full credit like when like Derek Lewis just he, everything just hurts like <laughs> he did the hammer fist they don't look too bad they just leave welts he's got he's just you know Look, he's not the most velt heavyweight, but legit, his bones are just dense. He's just got, he's just built that way. He's just a very, you know, heavy individual, heavy-handed. 
and really I think that that was a big part of it. I think that's obviously been seen in his UFC career, his ability to knock guys out. But um, yeah, when I really looked at it and I watched it back a bit, I was like, I felt like Curtis, I felt like he wasn't committing to his striking as well as I think he could have. I think that, he, yes, he was looking to take him down, but I think what he saw, when he saw that Derek was very prepared, I think he, he knew Derek was waiting for the takedown. I think he knew he couldn't just blindside it. But I really feel like Curtis, I was just shocked that he didn't kind of commit to trying to get in and out with his striking a little more. Just make Derek, you know Derek's not going to shoot in on you. So I was actually surprised that he didn't try to maybe, you know, lure him into that, you know, bit of a rhythm, get in and out, make him, you know, make Derek kind of commit to something and then just try to get under him. Because Curtis, and I want to point this out, he looked in fantastic shape. I don't know if you noticed that, but I feel like physically, you know, that was probably the leanest Curtis Blades that I feel like we've seen in a while. And so I was just very shocked that he didn't try to, you know, outstrike Derek a little bit to try to get that guard up if he knew that he wasn't going to be able to just, you know, throw a jab, get in there. You know, it was going to take a lot more work. Yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was a little bit surprising. I think he either he he just didn't get the Derek Lewis he expected or or on his end it wouldn't matter what Derek Lewis he got and just you know everything wasn't coming together like he usually is able to put it together so um it was surprising man i mean like well, what were the odds it was like minus it was big four. it was like yeah, the, it was big they said the biggest upset since uh, michael bisping luke rockhold yeah man i mean i when... wish i had put some money on it <laughs> I mean, well, we both picked Curtis, so maybe that wouldn't have been a good idea. But yeah, <laughs> um, I'm the other no, guy. Exactly, but uh, no, um, I want to bring it up. He was very he, the mic didn't catch it as much, but uh, on on the broadcast it didn't come up. But John Morgan called Derek Lewis out as like, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you tell Curtis Blades you're the Black Beast, not the Black? Uh, you know something else that I you know I want us to get money later on someday in the show um, but you know what yeah and then the Herb Dean comment Derek Lewis I think he said to Curtis Blades coach like uh, d- that's not my fault that's Herb Dean's fault that I landed those extra punches so yeah well, uh, I agree <laughs> I want to bring this up real quick before we talk about the future I heard this Derek Lewis Masvidaled Curtis Blades and one, I like that Masvidal is a verb. <laughs> Two, what do you consider being Masvidal? Do you consider it getting knocked out lightning quick or do you consider it the slow-mo with the follow-up shots? Because I it's found the, myself debating that. It's the follow-up shots is, is what I see it as. Like when someone's clearly out and you're like, eh, wham, wham, wham. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I'll say bluntly. I mean, you've, you guys have all seen the clip. Same body posture of Curtis Blades on the way down and the rollover uh-huh, and uh-huh. same thing same literally like play them you know side by side same exact sequence so you know I, I like you know what I think that's what I'll consider the Masvidal you have to have the exact same slow-mo kind of fall and the follow-up shots yeah know? just a five-second knockout that I don't call that being Masvidal I call that being <laughs> quick so um uh, so let's talk about it the heavyweight title. It's about a month away from being fought for. 
You have Alexander Volkov coming off a win. You got the big he- and another two good heavyweights going into it this Saturday. What do we do next to Derek Lewis? Well, he just moved up in the UFC rankings two spots, so now he's sitting number two. Yep. Volkov is at five. Yarzinio Rosenstrike hasn't even fought yet. They pushed him down to one just to accommodate Derek Lewis's big move. Um, Wait, you I said think- push- pushed him down to number one? Oh, no, pushed him down one spot, sorry, to oh. number four. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he was the champion. We just didn't know it. Um, so I think, I'm looking at this, maybe a Lewis-Volkov rematch, you know, give Volkov a chance to get revenge and Lewis a chance to show that he's better and he can beat him earlier and not at the last second. I think I'd be interested in that. Um, of course, probably UFC wants to wait to see what happens this Saturday, but... I kind of like that. That's the one I'm I'm excited about before we even see what uh, Rosenstrike and Gane do. Yeah, I, um, I think the Rosenstrike and Gane fight makes a ton of sense, like you said. I did ask Derek on the media day, like, you've knocked out Volkov, but he is the one coming off the win over Overeem. Like, do you, like, are you interested at all? And he was like, I'm good with it. Just like, if that's what they call and say they want to do, I'm down. So, yeah. I do like that he's keeping his options open. He's kind of always been that guy, which, you know, is a good thing when you're trying to stay active in book fights, of course. Um, I'm going to say this for Derek, because we know what's going on next month. Stipe and Nganu, you know that John Jones kind of has that locked in and, you know, everybody kind of knows that as much. I would give, I would say before you start lining up the ducks in a row, I wouldn't pull the trigger on saying, you know what, I'm going to commit to Rosenstrike or Volkov just yet. Because we saw it last year. Masvidal was the first pick for the welterweight title. Then Leon Edwards. By the time that first poster came out, Natalie, you remember, it was Gilbert Burns who was <laughs> fighting Kamaru Usman. Yes, Francis Ngannou is next. Yes, John Jones is next. Anything could happen. So uh, I'll even say this. I know Derek wants to celebrate, and who wouldn't after a win like that? I would not be surprised if he's considered, hey, don't get too comfortable, don't get too out of shape, because if Nganu or Stipe stubs their toe and something happens, we could see a short-notice title fight coming up in a month. And I, you can't tell me you wouldn't love to see this Derek Lewis fight Nganu or fight Stipe. I think that it would make for great television, just like it always is with Derek. So, yeah, more than likely, we're going to wait and see. I like the Rosenstrike gone fight, just because I think that Volkov is more likely to fight the loser of Nganu and Stipe. Just so Derek Lewis, you know, we kind of, it, it's a fresh fight. And I think that stylistically, gone and Rosenstrike, they just kind of match up a little better with Derek Lewis size-wise, I think it's just a better fight. So, I personally, while I'm not opposed to a Volkov rematch, I personally prefer the Rosenstrike gone winner taking on Lewis. Okay. I mean, however they slice it, the UFC, it's going to be a heck of a, of, a, of, a, of a next, like the heavyweight division is just going to be popping for like the next couple of months, probably until the end of the year for like the this to all get resolved as far as current champion Stipe defending his belt and then whoever walks out of that with the belt 
defending it once more before the year end. So, I mean, this is what you want. You want an exciting heavyweight division. And Derek Lewis has a great personality and has great uh, makes great highlight reels, right, with his knockouts. So you got Stipe, who's, you know, that blue-collar champion, Francis Ngannou, who's this, like, great, like, up from, you know, the, the, the brinks of poverty story from Africa, Nigeria. John Jones is one of the biggest stars in the UFC. And you got Derek Lewis with his uh, with his killer Instagram. By the way, did you see his post where uh, the picture of um, Curtis Blades out? And he just wrote, he's okay. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I missed that one. Um, oh, you know what the one I saw the quote that he did and he, he said something like uh, when Curtis Blades got COVID, he said, I felt horrible. I didn't want Curtis to go to the ICU because of COVID. I wanted him to go to the ICU because of me. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, man, somebody come get this man. <laughs> you know what, though? Um uh, I'll say this. He says what's on his mind and he's not afraid to have a little fun. Uh, I'll say this. I think a lot more fighters probably wish they could. They had the guts to say it like he does. I'll say that. Because I think a lot more fighters think like him than just, you know, when the cameras come on and they think about their PR reps and all that, they kind of restrain themselves. That's yeah. not Derek. And that makes it for a lot of good television. <laughs> He's like one of the only people I can think of that's like uncancelable, you know. Generally in MMA, like you, you, you won't. There's that. It doesn't really the cancel culture doesn't really apply, right? Not not the way it does in the rest of the world. But like Derek Lewis, man, I feel like he could almost do anything, and it'd be like, eh, he's okay. <laughs> it's Derek uh, Lewis. Yeah, he's uh, yes, he has that because it's so genuine. It it kind of works for him. I think it's a general rule. The second you start ta- talking about industrial blue chip money coming in like corporate money yeah political correctness is kind of one of the unspoken first few rules like you kind of need to be that because you know we can't have companies hurting the reputations of the starbucks and other big sponsors yeah Derek lewis there's just an understanding that there's not going to be stopping this man on the mic in the ca- on the cage, you got to be really good and maybe you'll get lucky. But even then, we saw that's pretty difficult. <laughs> so, um, but no, I, I agree with you. He kind of, he says what he's thinking and that's Derek. I love it. Um, to move on, a really interesting incident on the prelims. So Jamal Emmers and Chess Skelly, by the way, I got a shout out just well wishes to Jamal. Um, I know him from being a champion, for, former champion for Smash Global, which I work for. And a great dude. Seen him around events. Nice guy. Um, so I hope he's well. But this incident. So Chess Kelly, despite being the red corner, I guess it, he didn't really address it. But he was asked to walk out first. And re- so he's in the cage waiting. And Jamal Emmers just quite bluntly doesn't walk out. And so we're kind of waiting for the music to go and the next guy to come out on the broadcast, right? Or, you know, you're waiting for them to kind of come back from break and say, oh, here comes his opponent. And just very bluntly, it doesn't happen. And you hear it live on the air. Hey, it looks like this fight is off. We're getting word. And a minute later, Joe Martinez is in there saying this fight is off due to, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's having some complications backstage. This fight is just not happening. 
just uh, we'll talk about the post fight, which is equally fascinating. <laughs> but what are your thoughts? This is absolutely a brand new one. Yeah, as I was gonna say, I've never seen this before, never heard of it happening before, and already it's gonna throw you off when they make you go out first when you're expecting to go second, right? So, so you know, I've never experienced the fighting, fighting obviously, but like you know, you must visualize how things are going to look for you. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, you go first. And so your brain's got to be going like, okay, why? And how much did they tell, tell Chaz Kelly before they sent him out? So trying to stay calm, wondering what could possibly be happening that they send you out first. And then you're standing in the octagon waiting around, like not knowing what to do. So at, at what point are you saying like, this is too long of a wait. I mean, like now I'm now I'm getting like cold, like I'm losing the warm up that I had built up, you know. And if any of that starts creeping in your head, so I just wonder like what was going on in the in in poor Chas Kelly's mind. But yeah, man, to be the other guy, to be Mr. Jamal Emmers in the back in the locker room, and all of a sudden you start feeling really bad, getting back spasms. I guess was the was the the story, right? Yep. It made me think of. I can't remember the fighter, but it was a season of tough. I think with Daniel Cormier, um, there was a fighter who had like leg cramps right before a fight and he couldn't go out. And Dana White was like really pissed about it, but it turned out that it was very serious. He had like the beginnings of, um, uh, rhabdo, my, I can't remember what the, I remember what you're saying. It was something crazy like that. Yeah. Like where if you don't get hospital medical attention, like you're going to die, your organs are metabolizing your, um, your body is metabolizing your muscle. Um, so, so it made me think of that because I don't know if there's any info on, you know, the extent of, of Jamal's injuries, but you never know, man. It, it could be really scary and also very frustrating. Panic sets in. Why is this happening to me? And, and rushing to try and make yourself feel better so you can get out there. Like that must've really sucked for him. So just a weird situation. And um, I mean, you got to make the most of it. Did Chaz Skelly do that? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to get into that real quick. Like Chaz did say that he heard Jamal in his locker room. In the Apex, they're not too far away. They just kind of time it so there's not a lot of awkward, like, confrontation. Not too much time around each other before you're in the octagon. But he did say he heard Jamal just, like, really shouting and he said, it sounded like pain, but every now and then you got guys like, hey, you know, maybe he's an emotional guy and that's how he gets himself in that space to fight, right? But um, yeah. Chess did say that and the, they did bring him back to talk to the media. I would imagine, uh, I guess here's the thing that I, two things. The first one is if they send out Chess Skelly first, were they wondering if that extra minute or something that maybe Jamal could go out yeah. like if you already know he can't make the walk like it, uh, you know there's a bit of logistics there that we were vague on and I hope they do kind of explain that a little bit and then uh the second one just to remind people it's like you know the weight cut uh I know he's a very lean guy for his weight class and um I forget his age I think he is a younger guy though um you know uh we see this with Alexa Grasso. It's like, hey, you know, as you get a little older, even though you're not necessarily dramatically taller and all that, you know, your body just kind of puts on a little bit more natural weight that, you know, before making that cut all the way down was easier. 
you know, your body depletes itself not just of, like, you know, H2O, but there's a lot of vitamins and all that that you kind of, you know, if you have a really big cut, sometimes you kind of shock your body a little bit, and that's why there's so many proponents of, you know, less weight cutting. You want to try to fight at a more natural weight. You don't want to put on so much muscle because you don't want to have to cut so much to make your weight class all the time, right? All of that happens. So, you know, why was Jamal Emmer's minutes away from walking out and then it's canceled the body is a for as fantastic as it is it can be very temperamental at any given time and when you shock your body through a hard weight cut like some fighters do you can have any kind of thing happening especially when you consider your body kind of hits itself with some adrenaline when you're about to go into a fist fight yeah you know even when you're very calm you kind of there's not one fighter who's ever said, oh, yeah, I was lazy. I, I, I was falling asleep before I walk out. No, you know, there's a level <laughs> of heightened attention. All of that is all your body reacting to something it's about to do. So I just want to give him credit. Like, you know, how does that happen? Eh, let's put it in context. Um, Chess Skelly. I would be very mad. He talked about he brought his friends and all that and. They were waiting back at the, you know, to celebrate after the fight. And, you know, they're not in the apex. And you know what? He kind of took it in stride. He wished Jamal well. They talked, what are you going to do? They said karaoke. And my man, I'm not saying he's about to win a Grammy, but he was on key (laughs) and having fun. Got more than a few bars in. I got to say, I I could see him winning a couple competitions if I may say so myself. I mean, it was definitely confident, a confident performance, which yep. is, you know. And that is half the battle, the that's karaoke. Half the battle, the karaoke. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that's like, you know, 75% right there. Or, man, if you can sell it, it doesn't matter if you sound good. Um, <laughs> you know, he was okay, but then a couple of notes he hit, and I was like, oh, you can, you can sing. Like, there's there's something there. Okay. Like, you've um, practiced. you practiced. I hate to admit that I don't know what song he was singing. I didn't look it up, but it was hilarious. A lot of uh, interesting lyrics. Um, it it but... was a song for the boys. It was one of those songs about, you know, the things you do to women, which should be said in private, not on the stage, yeah, yeah. but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was, it was, it was fun. And, uh, uh, I don't think anyone would have taken offense or should have taken offense. Like, come on, look, he's just singing a song and he was asked to sing it. So it's just music. Um, <laughs> it's just music, man. Artistic expression. Um, and uh, no, that was freaking hilarious. So what? What was he like? What did he, I? I didn't see the moment in the in the cage. Like, how did he react when he found out? Was he confused? Because he seemed like he'd he'd come around to it you know, at least enough to, to be in a good mood. Cause that's gotta suck, man. That's gotta be really hard. I think to, he, has he, there ever been a fight canceled that last minute? I don't think so. Well, you know, he was, he looked a little flabbergasted, like that yeah. kind of stuff doesn't tend to happen in UFC, but, and he referenced this. I don't know if you saw the interview, but, um, stuff like that will happen on a very, very small local show. Like when you're fighting at the local like gym or, you know, they get like a ballroom in a cheap hotel somewhere. That kind of stuff will happen. Like you show up and, you know, like you're going to fight in a couple minutes and the people are just like, yeah, your opponent just like in the amateurs, like, you know what? He said the same for him and he backed out of it and <laughs> he bailed or something like that. Yeah. 
stuff like that will happen in the most, you know, smallest small shows. Nothing, it tends to not happen televised like a last second. And, you know, mind you, that's a, I don't want to say funny, but, you know, more comical situation, so to speak. It's not because of a health issue like Jamal, so. But yeah, that's a first that we kind of get that far in the process and the fight doesn't happen. Well, you know, we came close with Kevin Holland. He didn't walk out, but he was essentially back there like, oh, you're on deck. And then they're like, uh, scratch that. You're not on deck anymore. So. I mean, it's just Just crazy. when you think you've seen it all. Yeah. And by the way, Kevin Holland, one more time. I'm, I'll be honest. It's been too long since we've seen him now. Kind of like, Kevin, are you on vacation? This is like a very long layoff for you. Um, but no, like credit to him. I mean, that just goes to show staying active. Because when I think about it, it's like, dude, you had COVID and you had a fight get canceled like that. And you still ended up with the most fights in 2020. What? So it just goes to show anything can happen when it's live sports. But um, no, uh, wish Jamal well. I can't wait to see Derek Lewis back out there. And so just a very unique night in the mixed martial arts world. Um, there was other stuff going on. Yana Kunitskaya uh, handles uh, Ketlin Vieira. I was very impressed. I think that that shakes up Bantamweight a little bit. You know, I think Ketlin was kind of seen as one of those girls could be back on the short list with a win. And instead, Yana, you know, she kind of makes mm, just really clouds up that middle of the pack at Bantamweight you know there's a couple girls at the top and then it feels like five through ten it's like anybody's game there's not real rankings they're all really so interchangeable so interesting stuff over there certainly stuff to watch especially as Amanda Nunes comes up next week uh are you ready for some news Natalie yes yes I am let's get to it so the big one it's not Colby Covington, but it is going to be Bilal Muhammad, who's fighting Leon Edwards, a little less than a month from now. It's almost pretty much one month from his own fight at UFC 258. Um, you know what? This one, for people who may be sleeping on Bilal Muhammad, 9-3 and record in the UFC. Since 2017, he's gone 8-1. He's only got one loss in there. Uh, Leon Edwards, what else do you need to know about him? Eight-fight win streak and perhaps one of the most unlucky 12-month stretches in recent memory for a fighter. Uh, just what are your thoughts on this one? Because I will say, I almost feel like Bilal Muhammad is so, very similar in terms of being like Leon Edwards. Doesn't talk much, doesn't seem to get that push doesn't seem to have that moment where he's broken through to really get popular like Leon um or you know like Leon has I mean and but really you win this one it's such a big opportunity with everything going on in the welterweight division yeah it's a golden opportunity and um you know finally Leon Edwards has an opponent that you're pretty sure this fight's gonna stick yes um, so just like happy for both of them. Bilal's getting a great opportunity and Leon's going to be able to fight. Now, where's the, the, the bigger challenge in having a super long layoff or having a really quick sh- turnaround? Uh, we're going to find out because that's what, uh, that's what's been matched up here. Someone who just fought versus someone who hasn't fought in like a year or longer and has been 
experiencing frustration after frustration. So, I mean, let's just get to it. Like, can we do it tomorrow so that this doesn't fall through for Leon Edwards? Like, this guy needs to fight, man. Oh, don't joke like that. Although, you bring up a great point. I didn't even think about that. That is a very... You know what? That's not a bad question because you got to think Leon, if he's had anything going on, they've healed up. But then if you're Bilal Muhammad, you feel pretty fresh, right? You know, like, yeah. hey, you know, like I was in there. My body's still kind of acclimated, you know. It's interesting. Um, I do like, once again, I like this for Bilal. I think that he's been, you know, a guy that, you know, similar to Benil Dariush, like really good, really tough, but because he's not one of the more popular guys, it's hard for those other names to want to fight him over, let's just say like it is, getting a bigger fight in your division. This is that fight, and I think that it sets it up perfect storm. Uh, I don't like to say, like, I want this guy or that guy to win. I've never done that really on this show, maybe once for Anderson Silva, but, you know, because I always feel like that's unfair for all the guys that put in work. I'd be lying if I said I don't want to see Leon win just because I know he's been through so much. Like, I think about that and I'm like, you know, at this point, it's like... Uh, like, with the Hamzat thing, you know Hamzat's going to get another shot because he's been so new. But Leon, he's put in so much work into the welterweight division that it's like, uh, after all that to lose, it'd be tough. But then, you know, once again, Bilal Muhammad, like I said, this is his opportunity finally, too. So I'm not going to lie. I'm so torn. Like, I hate to say it, but I almost hope they fight to an epic five round draw just so I don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just one of those cases, man. I feel for both men, like, you know, wanting their shot and it's just taken a while. You know, if Bilal loses the UFC, he you know, he's he's done them a solid. And so they'll repay him the favor with whatever he wants, a quick turnaround or a little bit of extra time and maybe let him call a shot if he's into that. But if Leon Edward loses, like that's a huge setback for him. So I think the positive energy should probably go towards Leon Edwards, you know, all, all uh, thoughts of victory in that direction, just because a loss would be much, much, um, harder a much more bitter pill to swallow for uh, for mr edwards this is true um real quick to touch on it a little bit so colby covington he kind of verbalized it is like i'm not interested in finally fighting leon right now um there's a lot of talk about masvidal and newsman uh doing tough it looks like there's a lot of you know where there's smoke there's fire there for those two uh, just real quick, I mean, what do you see next for Colby? Do you think it's Gilbert Burns, or do you think we could see Wonder Boy or Kiesa kind of jump in there to fight him in a in a pretty high stakes fight? Probably Burns makes the most sense, but I would I wouldn't mind seeing Kiesa like that. They both are easily riled up, and so just like press conference or interviews, I could see that getting kind of <laughs> hairy depending on you know where we are with with uh you know the covid and, and all that stuff 
If they oh, could God. be in the same room together, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be so... I can... You brought this up. I can't imagine Kiesa taking... I don't want to know what Kobe going to pull out of his head on I Kiesa. I know, and it, just don't talk about his mother because, you know, we know what's going to happen. Kiesa is such a nice guy, you know? Kind of just like, yeah, what's up? Like, you see him, you know, like at the Whole Foods and you think he does CrossFit and then it's like, oh, this dude can strangle most of the population under 180 pounds you know yeah. to death and even <laughs> but, uh, above that if they're on train yeah so <laughs> right um yeah so uh no i'm with you there um i said this i don't want to entertain anything until we know for sure masvidal covington is dead i do believe we have reached that point so if i have to pick someone else um for colby uh burns stands out just because i think that uh i don't know i feel like that's the biggest one to kind of set colby up if we're pushing him forward right but then i think that um if you were to give him wonder boy or kiesa i feel like that how do i put this i feel like that burns another contender and I don't know if they feel like one of those wins, when you look at where Colby is at right this minute, I'll just say it. I think that Wonder Boy or Kiesa almost feels like too far of a step back. So I, I do think in the end they'll likely go to Kiesa. And I think um, I'll say this. I'd prefer a striking match watching Burns and Wonder Boy. But um, yeah, I, as much as Gilbert Burns, Colby would be fun, I think they'll go with Kiesa Colby, personally. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, you know what? Leon Edwards got a second chance on March 13th. And you know who else got a second chance? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Atman Azaitar, the man with the bag. <laughs> he is back. He is getting another UFC fight. Uh, they were not Dana White wasn't at the fights last uh, well he was he was probably just uh, you know he didn't speak to the media but yeah he gets another shot at the UFC um, so uh, we still don't know what was in the bag we still don't know legal and all the other fallout that happened behind the scenes with Ottman we do know that Dana White said you know what you screwed it up and you were you know that was just too blatant a disregard for the rules you're out and now he's back. Um, so what happened? What changed? Um, people do point out he is managed by superstar manager Ali Abdelaziz, who, you know, picked, th- you know, four of your favorite fighters. He very likely manages three of them at least. And uh, yeah, they feel like there might have been a little bit of a, you know, do us a solid and we'll help negotiations out smoothly kind of thing to get Ottman back. So what are your thoughts? Man, I don't like this. Uh, like the, the, the breaking of protocol is, is one thing. Like maybe I'm not going to wear my mask today on fight Island, but the, the deception, like the subterfuge, this is like, you know, cutting off your wristbands, giving to somebody else, having someone climb windows, entering a, a bedroom with this bag. We should we should find out what was in the bag. I think it's important. Someone hopefully will ask Dana White. I mean, how do you get away with that? And it's just like going on the record as saying this guy's out of the UFC and then like, oh, well, you know, he's back. Man, 
he's not Conor McGregor. Like Conor McGregor <laughs> did something really heinous, right? I mean, that was criminal. That was that was ugly, nasty. The the Dolly incident, of course, is what I'm referring to. And oh, he trust didn't get me, bounced. Trust me, we all knew Natalie. Yeah, we, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> and like, Go ahead. okay. He should have been fired. If I'm Dana White, I fire him. I don't care how important he is. And I personally love Conor McGregor. I'm happy he's in the UFC, but he should have been fired for that. Okay, he wasn't. Money talks. That's why he's still there. This gentleman, there's really nothing to back that up, except, as you point out, who his manager is. So what did he offer um, to get this guy back in, reinstated? And is is, is Mr. Azaitar worth it? Like... I guess the UFC doesn't care what people think. And so Dana White, if someone asks him, will just say, well, you know, we changed our minds. We looked into it and whatever. They'll have their excuse lined up. But, man, I that, just think it's too it's too elaborate of a, of a, you know, a sneak. Like all the things they went through to get this person in and, like, what are they going to do next time? <laughs> It is a very dangerous precedent. I did yep. think it's like Dana. I'll call Habib. We'll get him back. I'll, I'll yeah, you know, I'm, you do this, I'll, you know, one more time. I'll make him do it. I'll get him to sign the contract. Um, you don't know. I mean, uh, when you look at Ali, you're talking about a guy who manages Cody Garbrandt, Usman, Hamzat, Gaethje. Yeah. Uh, Cejudo, I think I said Habib already. Um, I'm missing people. That's how many. Uh, Rumbled, well, not in the UFC anymore. In fact, yeah. there's a ton of people, you know? Yeah. Um, so the, it's always a very, um, you, you know that this is how business works every now and then. You kind of feel like, hey, you know, do this and, you know, We'll clear some hurdles in negotiation. We'll make a deal that works for everybody a little better rather than stand our ground on so many X's and O's, right? So um, I think that there was just a little bit of that haggling going on. Ottman is a very solid contender. I'll say, uh, I'll stand with you though, that's a very dangerous precedent and I do think that um, I don't want another fighter to try it thinking, hey, if he got away with it, I mean, it's all good, right? Yeah. And then just for the sake of it, I'll say it again. I mean, there was nothing exciting in the bag. He didn't have Aladdin's magic lamp. He didn't have a bunch of women in there. I mean, there's no cash needed in Fight Island. I mean, honestly, the... The worst thing I can imagine it could be is just like some drugs. Like, wh- I mean, really, like that. You know, they take care of your food and all that on the, in on Fight Island. So it's like, really, what else could it be, man? You're not gonna smuggle people. So it's maybe like, it was his pillow. He liked his own pillow. You know, he brought it from home or something. I don't know. Better be a dang good pillow. A bag of burritos. Maybe like, he didn't like the food. I don't know. Like, you better be able to sleep ten hours straight. Every time, better be that kind of pillow. And remember, it happened like they're two days away from fight night. It's like, it's like just, I said, it's not any, it's not anything fun, people. That's what's sad. It's like he's gonna say it, and I'll be honest. I would hope he owns up to it, just so it doesn't become a, a thing anymore. But I feel like he might be too embarrassed to say it, because I feel like he honestly would have by now. Just yeah, yeah. So. But there we go. Um, I know, you know, nobody 
people can't wait to find to get in front of him and ask him in every language what was in the dang bag. You know, John. Brad Pitt. They should get Brad Pitt and be like, "What's what's in the box? (laughs) I mean, what's in the bag?" John Morgan gonna do it. All the international people gonna ask him in different languages and get it translated. Like everyone wants to know. So, yeah. But like I said, I think there's more excitement about what it could be than what it actually is. Uh, this Saturday, we got another good one. Back to the heavyweights. Jorzinho Rosenstrike taking on Cyril Gunn. Um, What I love about the storyline going in, Natalie, Cyril Gunn, I believe he's only got six or seven fights. Only about three or four of those in the UFC. Jorzinho Rosenstrike doesn't have a dramatic number more. He only has, I think, 11. But Jorzinho, when you look at their records... Rosenstrike has about only uh, seven Muay Thai or kickboxing fights. Also, Jarzinho Rosenstrike is going in with like 80 kickboxing fights. <laughs> On top of the fact that he was sleeping like three opponents, he got rid of them all collectively less than three minutes of octagon time in 2019. It's ridiculous. So, you know, you have two guys who are... You know, gone for one, he is there because he's just a top heavyweight prospect. They wouldn't be giving him big fights this fast if they didn't see opportunity. But then you got Rosenstrike. Remember, he's going in there with Francis Ngannou. Yes, Ngannou is Ngannou. But Rosenstrike had all the credentials to possibly sleep Francis going into that fight and being the heavyweight title challenger. So going into this one, you're talking about a huge, huge opportunity for Gone and for Rosenstrike. I mean, you're talking keeping you, you're talking cementing your place on the short list in the heavyweight title picture, which is a very hard thing to do. So, you know, just a lot on the line. What are your thoughts on just everything we got going on? Yeah, I mean, the like I said this, at the top, this heavyweight division is going to be going to be bumping for a while, and um a lot of exciting fighters who, you know, I say maybe you don't know all their names, but like we can say, guarantee you're going to see something cool in in the cage with with either of these two guys, Derek Lewis, Volkov, uh, obviously Stipe and Ganu, and then John Jones whenever he he gets in there. So um, opportunity for a lot of exciting uh, highlight highlight uh, moments here. So. Uh, but looking at this fight specifically, Rosenstrike Ghana, like Cyril, when he's walking around in that in that cage fighting, like not just pre-fight, you know, when he's in there and he's he's ready to go, he walks around so so much confidence, almost a little bit cocky. His hands are down. He's got a little swagger. I guess it's because his submission game is so strong. He doesn't fear the takedown, but he should maybe keep his hands up because I, that that's to me is the biggest risk that he takes with his confidence. Um, because Rosenstrike will get in there and, you know, bust your lip open, you know, <laughs> literally, from from nostril to to lip, um, like he did to uh, to Overeem. So uh, it's a big big risk for for Cyril and uh, Rosenstrike is just very intimidating. His his thighs are like tree trunks. Like a kick from him must hurt for weeks, and uh, he can knock you out too. So. This is a tricky one for me, but I think I'm I'm gonna go ahead and make my my pick now, and I I think I'm leaning towards Rosenstrike because 
of what we've seen him do in the past and because of how gone fights, I think that could be his downfall against Rosenstrike, being too too confident with the submission game that he has. Now, once he gets you down there, he can pretty much finish you anyway, right? We've seen the heel hook and uh, I can't remember the other one that, that I just saw today. So it's tricky, but I'm leaning towards Rosenstrike. I won't call my, my round just yet, but uh, I want to hear what you have to say. But I think he's got this one. Yeah, I think that um, the submission game, uh, I would imagine that has to be part of the strategy because I think that uh, I'm not saying Cyril isn't confident striking with Rosenstrike. He's got to be, you know. Uh, I think that that's what a lot of people are expecting. But I do think, similar to Poirier-McGregor, you know, just kind of threaten him. Make him think you will legit take him down a bit. You got to put that kind of intimidation in him because that will stop a lot of the offense coming your way. It's very obvious when a striker is very worried about being taken down, especially guys like uh, Rosenstrike. You know they want to feel comfortable like you're going to throw hands. They want to flow and all that. You know, I think that Gon would do, you know, well-served, really threatening with the takedown. Um, even if he doesn't plan to grapple for a long time, even if he feels he can knock him out, you want to give yourself the best opportunity for victory. With Rosenstrike, and I've, I said this, remember last year when he fought guys like Francis Ngannou, um, I get it. He does not, kind of like Mark Hunt, he does not look like a guy who can sleep you just, you know, by touching you. But that is exactly what we've seen out of him. And I think that, you know, once again, looks being deceiving. I think people forget that this is a guy who is very, very experienced. When I talk to you about those 80 kickboxing fights, he had like 76 victories. <laughs> something like that. Okay? He doesn't, like Mark Hunt, he doesn't do a lot. But he knows what he's doing. And I do think that if they get into a striking bout, that's exactly what we're going to see pull it out. I think he's just going to be in the right positions. He's going to avoid the shots he needs to. I think he's going to win just the foot placement, all those little things that are necessary in the cage. Um, and I think that, you know, the best Rosen strike, I predict having the tools to beat the best gone in there. Now, like we just saw, uh, what, 72-ish hours ago? It really doesn't matter when you're as big as those guys. But assuming this one gets into a real test of the skills, I just think that Rosenstrike has a little too much behind him. Um, I think he's going to just know what he needs to do in there and be able to execute it against Gon. So I'm going to say, uh, well, you know, no, ladies first, you wanted to go. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking a uh, 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 KO round three. Ooh. I think they're gonna feel each other out for a little bit. Uh, some maybe some dangerous moments on the near the ground because I don't. Um, actually, I take it back. Round two because <laughs> as it progresses, I think it favors Gone with his uh, ability to, to get Jarzinho, a tired Jarzinho, keep him down on the on the ground. So I'm gonna say KO round two, Rosenstrike. Oh boy, oh boy, you make this difficult. You know that. <laughs> oh. Natalie, why you gotta? Ah, oh, man, do I wanna? What do I wanna pick? We can do the same thing. We can have the same pick. It's okay. I know, but <laughs> then it's not as fun. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know what? Um, I'm feeling the same. I think it's gonna get done second round, Jorginho. 
Um, yeah, I, I think like for example, you saw a bit with the Junior Dos Santos fight. It's like you know, I think we got so used to him getting people out, you know, like that that I think we got a little away from it. I think people are more ready, but I do agree. I think it's gonna be Rosenstrike gets the job done. Zig instead of Zag, start opening him up, and next thing you know, uh, he's got him out of there. So, I'm with you, Rosenstrike for the win, second round. Okay, see? That's not so bad. <laughs> you know what, I know, it just, uh, I don't when know. When you go to dinner with somebody, I mean, you know, in the past, not this last year, and they <laughs> order something that you were going to order, do you change your mind? Did you pick something else? No. Okay, okay. Some okay, people I'm, do that. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I just, I get so nervous, Natalie. You know, <laughs> I just feel like I need to give the people the variety they deserve. The variety, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, so there we have it. We are in accordance. We both have Jorzinho to win this Saturday. Um, obviously, we'll be back with more MMA news. What's the latest? What gets announced and all that. But next week's episode, very excited. UFC 259, triple, a legit triple header. You've got the champ champ fight, Blahovich taking on middleweight champ Adesanya. Adesanya trying to win a belt in the second weight class. You have Amanda Nunez looking to possibly close that door on the featherweight division, fighting top contender Megan Anderson. And then finally, you got the Bantamweights, a very fun stylistic fight. Pewter Yawn, finally fighting Aljamain Sterling. I mean, talk to me. What are you most looking forward to next week? Dude, I can't wait to get into this one. Like, the, just the prep for, for our podcast next week before we, you know, or yeah, before we even get to the actual fights, which are thrilling. So uh, I, I, I can't like, there's a, a strong level of excitement for different reasons with each fight. Obviously, Bohovitz, Adesanya. I mean, these are these are killers. Adesanya moving up straight to a title shot. Like, how's he going to look? How's he going to feel? How's he going to perform? Will the speed, will the cockiness, will all that still be there? Nunes Anderson, is it really in the bag? Does Anderson have something new, different, that is going to completely catch Nunes off guard? I mean, she's got a beat on her as far as size and length. And Jan Sterling, man, like, Sterling is... is is impressive he's had a great exciting run but Jan is terminator to me and so i'm really that's that could be a that could be a war and um yeah man i'm fired up you know um for me and i'm gonna you're gonna probably hear me say this uh next week i can almost guarantee it um i like the setup because we're at that point now arasanya with a victory he will. He's not gonna lay down. He's gonna throw down the gauntlet, unlike any John Jones opponent ever has before in these last ten years of dominance in MMA. We've never had an opponent who talks like Izzy, going in there with these types of championship credentials, who's looked as good as he has. He talks the game, and it looks like he could back it up. And if he gets this win against Blahovich. I mean, you're talking about easily, at least on his side, have, you know, that half is done for one of the biggest fights I think that we've seen in terms of the pure martial artists that we're talking about going in there. Um, I, you know, I love Blahovich. Uh, I think that he's got that people's champion appeal to him. 
And then, yeah, once again, uh, Jan and Sterling's exciting. Amanda, just all the what comes next, all that stuff is really exciting. But for me, like, I know going in, this is kind of the the one for Izzy. If Izzy doesn't fight the rest of 2021, it's because he's waiting for John Jones to see if he gets the heavyweight title or if he's got to come down to face him. So yeah, I really like it in all those ways. I think that all three of them are great fights. So yeah, I'm excited too. This is, um, and just the whole card. I mean, you got everything going down. You got, uh, I believe it's Santos and Rakic, Tiago Santos. That's mm-hmm. a great fight. Wow. You, you got Dominic Cruz coming back on the prelims. Um, this is a just solid, solid fight card. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to breaking it down. Natalie, you take care. You get ready because next week's episode is <laughs> going to be bomb. And guys, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.